When you envision the ideal experience for your brewery guests, point of sale probably isn't at the top of your list. It's the transactional finality to their visit. What you need is a point of service. Arrived is the first mobile, flexible, customizable point of service system built for craft breweries. It adapts and grows with you on-premise and online. Your staff will love the simplicity, your managers will love the world-class support team, and your guests will love that they can get the same delicious beer with the same amazing service from anywhere. Fall in love with your point of sale. Fall in love with Arrived. Bolide Communications offers a wide range of marketing services to satisfied customers, including positioning, sales collateral and POS, branding, website design, public relations, and social media. Talk with Bolide Communications today on how they can get your brewery and beer to stand out to audiences that matter. Visit them online at bolidecommunications.com or call 973-975-3037. You already make great beer, but Bolide Communications help with the rest. This is Andy Crouch, and welcome to the Beer Edge Podcast. On this season of the Beer Edge podcast, I'm talking with writers, brewers, and others about how COVID has impacted their local beer communities around the country and the world. We're telling their stories through an audio tour. It's told through the lens of those who know their local scenes best. And this week, we have a gem of an episode. Shalonda White represents one of the freshest voices on craft beer, and her husband Nick White is an old-school Chicago beer guy. Together, this dynamic husband and wife squad are helping push the craft beer community forward. From her Afro Beer Chick handle on Twitter, Shalanda spits fire and truth, celebrating the breweries and beers that she loves while also keeping the industry honest with her unique brand of speaking the truth. In addition to her strong social media game, Shalanda also lights up the audio channels with her own podcast, This Chick Talks Beer, which often highlights and promotes Black-owned and operated breweries. In addition, she talks about a variety of topics that are rarely covered in the beer world, including sex and marriage. She also dishes on a wide range of serious social issues, ranging from sexual harassment to racial discrimination. Her contributions to the beer space are powerful and a bright spot for our future. Shalanda founded the Chicago chapter of Girls Pint Out, a national craft beer organization that seeks to build a community of women who love craft beer. Many in the beer industry got to know Shalanda when in September of 2019, she received a message filled with racist and sexist vitriol including three uses of the N-word, telling her that she had no business writing about beer. Most people would be forgiven for responding to such nonsense with expletives. But for this racist troll, Shalana took a different approach, writing, well, you seem so upset. Want to have a beer in a discussion? I can't take you serious when you hide behind technology. Her experience led to the creation of the powerful I am craft beer hashtag that cascaded across social media with selfies and bios from people around the globe reminding us of the incredible diversity in craft beer. It was a beautiful moment in the face of naked bigotry, and Shalanda continues to move the conversation forward every day and every week in her channels. Now for our other guest, I've known Shalanda's husband, Nick, for probably close to a decade. I'm from Chicago, and whenever I would be back visiting, I'd hit up some local beer bars or breweries, and nine times out of ten, I'd run into Nick at some point. He was like an unofficial ambassador in the Chicago craft beer scene and it was always great to catch up and have a few beers. Nick is a co-founder of Chicago Beer Geeks, which is a site dedicated to promoting beer events and locations around the city and the surrounding suburbs. 
He also runs Chicago Beer Pass and the long-running podcast of the same name with his partner Brad, where they do deep dives into their favorite Chicago beers and breweries. With the pandemic largely confining them to their home, you can often find Nick and Shalanda guesting on each other's podcasts. They also produce a joint podcast, The Neat Pour, about bourbon, which I also encourage you to check out. As you will hear, while our conversation covers a variety of serious subjects, we also laugh a lot. You can tell I'm happy to be talking with Chicago folks about the local beer scene that I love so much. And by my mind, there are no two better people to catch up with to hear what's happening in my hometown, Chicago. Here's my conversation with Shalanda and Nick White. It seems like whenever I'm back home in Chicago, I'll just be out at some bar or some event or something like that. And I was always running into Nick. <laughs> just like all Mr. The, Chicago. He's just everywhere. Also, everybody knows him. Everybody knows him, just comes up to him. And I imagine you're the, you're the same way. I mean, the two of you are just kind of like a, you know, Chicago king and queen couple. Of like craft Nobody brands. knows a little me. I'm just no. a little nobody. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just curious, like, I, I, yeah, I've known Nick for a while, but, I, you know, just what are your origin stories? How did you both get into beer? Who goes first? I, I might go first. You I think go first, yeah. Back when we were hanging out, when I saw, when I see you all the time, mm-hmm. you know, bangers and lace yeah or fucking do six mm-hmm. um i think we were uh we got this website chicago beer geeks man and uh you know we tell the story of chicago through beer i think at the time there was no uh there was no constant uh newspaper feed mm-hmm. there was no eaters chicago covering it so and then we went to so many parties we started to forget what we did it just made sense to document it my buddy at work during the day job said hey we're starting a website and all i heard was we're starting a band so i just started writing all these songs you know story after story I think um, our first major story that got some traction was uh, Laffler gave us a tour of Goose and then a uh, Hop Leaf, uh, Hop Leaf, uh, what is it called? The winter beer from uh, from Bell's that you just drank that we had. Hop Slam. Hop Slam. Hop Slam and Hop Leaf was the second one. And it just took off from there, man. Chicago Brew Bus, shortly after Chicago Beer Geese kicked off. And then me and my buddy uh, Brad, we do a Chicago Beer Pass on Tuesday. That's the audio version. Mm-hmm. So just drinking and writing and uh, rediscovering the town, man. You know, it's, it's been a hell of a ride, man. Yeah, I mean, that's also one of the great things about beer is just your ability to just take you to new places, parts of the city, parts of the country, parts of the world you might not, other, not otherwise have gone to it just gives you an excuse. And it's, you know, they're good people there. And you you mm-hmm. always have like friends built in, new people you can meet in kind of an easy, good way. So I, I definitely hear that. Yeah, I tell you, man. Yeah, one of my favorite crews to hang out with was uh, Argus. I lived in South Shore at the mm-hmm. time. And uh, there were like zero one brewery, Argus Brewery in yeah. Pullman. Yeah. And um, the, the reason uh, the reason I met them is because at the time, Shalanda was uh, president of Girls Pine Out. And she actually introduced me to Argus. And Argus yeah. ended up being, they were, they were my besties in, in beer in the early days. So um, those folks had, uh, they had that sort of random brewery. I don't know, they had, that, <laughs> they had, like, had like that old elevator. It was like a horse elevator or something. Yeah. That was like, that was a, that was a crazy space. And uh yeah, I got down. I got down there once, and it was like in the middle of just a neighborhood, you know, which a lot of Chicago breweries are. But like you're saying, there, you know, nothing else, no other breweries around there. Yeah, right. the old Schlitz stables. It's yep. really the only spot I've been to personally that has like the brew house on the second floor. Yeah, right. yeah it's a very, it's a very bizarre scene down there, man. And how about you? What's your origin story? It was Nick, actually. So mm-hmm. he was the one who gave me my first craft beer, and then hanging out with him in these different events. Because as he was getting started with Chicago Beer Geeks, 
And I'm like, okay, I'm, I, I'm having fun with you, but I'm always hanging out with a bunch of dudes. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to come across other women that were into the whole craft beer scene, which is how I came across Chicago, which is how I came across Girls Find Out. Mm -hmm. And they allowed me to start a chapter here. So I did that for about two and a half years and then stepped back because at the time my kids were a little were younger. So it was kind of hard to drink and party and be a mom. Mm -hmm. So now that it's in my empty nester, so 2017 is when I started ABC because I have more freedom, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't expect for it to take off the way that it did. I just figured I would just, you know, talk shit and just keep drinking beer. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it it started with him. It was it was it was him giving me Sophie in in 2009. That's what kicked it all off. Mm -hmm. And what was it about Sophie that really just that you know for all of us we have that beer that we we try that takes us to a new place that we didn't even it opens a door or a window that we didn't know. What was it about Sophie for you? It was burst of flavors. It wasn't the Corona or the Heineken or MGD that I, you know, that I had been drinking. So it was like a whole different taste. It was, uh, it was so much fun. I was like, this could not be beer. And it poured like a champagne. Mm -hmm. So it was funny. Cause like my, my palate has changed so much since then. Like, and then he gave me my first, uh, IPA, which was hop slam. I didn't like hop slam at the time. Yeah. I was like, Oh no, is this is too bitter. But now, I love it. Uh, my first stout, again, is, mm -hmm. is is over the last ten years. It has just changed so much. Hop slam did not did not ease you in there. Just mm -hmm. right in that deep end. No, he was just like, here, taste this. Like, okay. <laughs> the yeah. winter IPA release is uh, is something we overlook. I think what celebration from uh, mm -hmm. from new from uh, Sierra yeah. and, and Hop Slam. Those are the two that. But that was one of the first ones I really think were, you know, really it's showing my age really when talking about how excited you are about fucking Hobsland. Hey man, I understand it. I can sit here and talk. <laughs> I can sit here and talk all day about how excited I am about when Bells used to do its twelve stouts of winter. You remember that? Yeah. I'm maybe yeah. older. I may be too old for you. Like <laughs> I, rem I remember when uh, you know it's it's good to talk to Chicago folk, but like it's you know, I remember when basically Goose was the only game in town. I mean, I was just looking, you know, pre preparing for this interview, just trying to, I was trying to remember when Half Acre came on the scene because yeah. Half Acre at this point is like, is like the Chicago craft brewing OG. And that's crazy. You know, they're, they're like, 11, I think, 11 yeah, years I think, old. I think it said 2017 online, but I'm not sure if that was, they're doing the contract stuff at that point, or they hadn't weren't quite there, but just a little over a decade ago, the scene was quiet. I mean, can you talk to me about how you've seen Chicago and that beer scene develop? Yeah, you talk about a uh, half acre. Uh, Lincoln Park Lager was made in Wisconsin when they came yeah, around. Right. Uh, I think Revolution had their ten year party. I was telling him like, yeah, you know, you guys in Half Acre, and he was quick to remind me like, well, we've been brewing in Chicago for ten years. Half Acre spent their first year brewing in Wisconsin. Let's be clear. <laughs> you know? But yeah, to your point, man, like 2009, 2010. I think pre 2010, you might have had you count them all on one hand. It was like mm -hmm. maybe there was there was peace, and there was might have been there was peace. There was goose. Yep. And shit, Emmett's out in the Burbs. It was right, a super, right, right. super yeah, short you, list. Yeah, you have to go up to like, you know, just north, way north suburbs or someplace to get the random like Ram Ram or whatever that place was. There's just a yeah. bunch mm -hmm. of like old school ones. But yeah, Dose Bros just, mm -hmm. out in uh, yep. Naperville or wherever they are, Aurora. But yeah, I would say 2010 to 2015, you saw an insane explosion. It I think we're over 70 breweries now. And I think that started between 2015 i say between 2010 and 2015 yeah what do you think um, what do you think 
you know, was the shot in the arm? Was it the daily administration going out? Because, you know, they, they had been rumored to have not been great about, you know, working with small businesses, especially breweries, or I, I just don't even know what it was. Was it the, the Goose Island, you know, diaspora where the, you know, those, you know, they put so many folks, talented folks through that brew house and that system that went on to open, you know, great breweries all around the city? Yeah, I think um, I brought that up to, uh, we talked to Burn City once and I said that exact same thing. I'm like, around the time Rom got in office is when we saw breweries pop up. And he's like, don't give him any credit for that. <laughs> so I'm, so I, now I was back to the drawing board. I'm like, I'm like, what, what caused that explosion? And I'm not really sure. I think people. I think the, the surge of is when big beer started buying out little beer. And they wanted to keep that whole, they wanted to keep that community. Mm-hmm. So when you start seeing a surge of these microbreweries popping up and they've been some amazing worries. We've seen some come and go, but we've seen some staples. So I think that's what happened is like, okay, once they started seeing, you know, like AB start trying to weasel their way into our community. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. We have to keep, we have mm-hmm. to keep hold of what we have. There, so. there was a domino effect. I yeah. think uh, Penrose, Tom Quarter started Penrose right away. Moody Tongue, uh, that was Jared Rubin's spot. And he was the uh, the pub master over at Clybourne. And then Lassler started off color. And um, well, shit, even uh, even Rev, even um, even uh, Josh Deeth was yeah. at Goose for mm-hmm. a minute. I mean, yeah, you started to see a little, a little of what she's saying is there's a lot of truth in that. There was, there was um, what is it? The, how do you, how do you say it? The, the Sons of Goose mm-hmm. yeah, all started opening breweries. That definitely happened around that time, you know, coincident or not, but. So in sort of the modern day, how would you describe to somebody who hasn't been to Chicago what the Chicago beer scene is like? Abundant. <laughs> it's abundant. It's like, you know, uh, Chicago having 77 different neighborhoods alone. And when I, I don't know about neighbor, like when I get the question, oh, what brewery should I hit in Chicago? My first question is, what area of Chicago are you going to be in? Are you driving? Are you taking public transportation? Mm-hmm. Because then it, it, you have access to so many. And even if you're within a certain neighborhood, you still have access to beer. Right. So it's just abundant and it's great beer. That's the key thing. It's great beer. Yeah, man. I would say, um, you know, uh, plenty of options, but then also there's a depth of brewery here that actually makes me very proud to be a Chicagoan, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a uh, dovetail and Metro, their lager breweries or those esoteric things that off color does, or even a, band of bohemia before they closed yeah or you know there's some guys you know even in the burbs where you know uh or half acre half acre i think kind of is the only crew in town that hits every single mark yeah. right you know whether it's wild ales or, or barely stouts or you know maybe the best ipa program in the city they're hitting every single mark but i think you got breweries that are really uh that taking having your own take and having your own identity is a is a pride point for a lot of these crews so it's not the redundancy you saw like in around the 2010s where it's like hey i got a brewery we got brown ale pale ale red ale right and let's mm-hmm. rock it's not yeah. that at all anymore yeah. and that's what i think is probably the most exciting part is depth of depth of brewery in chicago yeah that's interesting they sort of by not having those earlier breweries they kind of missed all that i mean you had places you know um, like Flossmore Station and stuff like that. They were doing some experimental stuff way back in the day with, you know, Todd Ashman and things like that. But, you know, they missed that kind of golden ale, just boring, basic stout or porter thing and kind of exploded doing their own things. And place, a place like, you know, a place like uh, Off Color to open 
And they're like, yeah, we're just going to do some weird salty sour beer that no one's ever really heard of. That's a flagship. We got a couple of like weird looking mice running around on the label. That's that's a business concept. Like only in Chicago, I think, could something like that happen. Yeah. And, yeah. A, and a logo that looks like it might have just been sketched on a napkin. Yeah. Even on the, on the other end of it, like Lagunitas, we people don't really think about how Lagunitas is the largest brewery in the history of Chicago. At mm -hmm. one point, they were larger than every other brewery in Chicago combined. They got a pair of 250 barrel uh, systems down there. Two 250 barrel systems and like 13 to 15 of these 750 barrel fermenters. It's like, it is a massive space, right? So just all the way on that end to um, all the way down to maybe like Spiteful, which is like a super tiny operation right next door to Half Acre and then like everything in between. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting landscape for sure. And it's amazing that it's sort of moved all over the city. It's not just necessarily in one little spot, though there certainly are massive pockets where you might have half a dozen or more breweries within walking distance of each other. Um, what is it about exploring these places that excites both of you? Why, you know, there's a lot of people who could just be interested in craft beer and just go to the local liquor store and go to the Dom or go to Jewel or something like that and just buy your beer there. Why do you want to go to the places? For me, it's about each place brings its own creativity and personality. You know, it's that Chicago creativity that, you know, I may because I'm biased because I'm from Chicago, but it's like it's you can't get it anywhere else. And like it goes back to my point of the 77 different neighborhoods in Chicago, just like with that, you're gonna always get something different regardless what neighborhood you're in. And that's the same way when it comes to our breweries. I think um People, as much as I love Chicago, you know, people from Chicago love to leave occupied Chicago, right? <laughs> Just escape for a minute, you know, go to yeah. the Burbs, run up to go run up to Wisconsin, or something like that. And I think with uh, with all these breweries opening up, like, so we're in Rogers Park. We're in the very last neighborhood. Of Evanston's across the street, <laughs> far, yep. right? Far, yep. far away. You know, we're a remote <laughs> location. So, but for us, it's like on a Saturday morning, you know it's almost akin to backpacking through the city. If we're going to some of these, like we went to, uh, you know, we went down to check on a property and we went down to uh, Calumet Fisheries mm -hmm. and then you can map out, you know, bottle shops, you can mm -hmm. map out breweries and you can really just kind of navigate your way through the city, you know, and, and hit up parts of the town that um, you, you weren't going to hit up yeah. if for any other reason than beer. Yeah. yeah and every, everybody's interpretation of what a tap room should look like. And um and all the fun stuff they got on draft and you know the, the folks in that area it just all of it all it's of like it. an adult field trip it's like packing up the kids <laughs> at school say hey we're going to the field museum but it's like an adult field trip <laughs> I love I love that that's that's the way I'm gonna refer to it from now on <laughs> come on kids get in the car we're going on an adult field trip <laughs> but that's true and what you're saying about exploring these parts of the city you know when I would come back to visit family I would run up and down the city all over the place. You know, I'd be driving, so I'd only have, you know, a little bit to drink at each of these places or buy some and move on somewhere else. But um, otherwise, I'd talk to folks and I'd say, you know, what what about this place? What about this place? Like, well, it's not my neighborhood. I got, I got a two dozen breweries right here that are great. I've never even been down to that part of the city. Or, you know, but beer and breweries give you an excuse to visit you know, the, how many people have been down to, to Bridgeport in that area just, just to go to some of these great, you know, go to Maria's or just go to some of these great breweries or try other parts of the city they might not have gone to. It's, I think it's one of the great tourist like drawing destinations, even if you happen to live in the city. Yeah, man. Um, shout out to Mars down there. Let's mm -hmm. go White Sox. And I tell you something, I'm glad we're at a point of maturity where 
you know, all these breweries just aren't in like Ravenswood. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. because in the beginning that's how it was. Well, they they know. ran out. There's just no more room. There's no, no more space. No more breweries there. Yeah, yeah. like that's okay. We're gonna build on the L tracks or something. I don't know what we're gonna do. Build under the L tracks, but yeah, they they yeah, got so, the, yeah. a malt row there. Yeah, <laughs> Alarmist <laughs> is in Saganosh, which is a neighborhood I had never heard of before. Like <laughs> suburb of before Chicago. Before Alarmist came online, you know, um, Old Irving and. uh you know, Lake Effect and Eris, mm-hmm. all that whole Northwest side chain out South, you know, there's a, uh, you know, Horse Thief Hollow and uh, just a couple doors down from oh, there. Oh, just down the street and <laughs> right in Evanston, <laughs> there's a uh, package pig. <laughs> yeah, Evanston all of a sudden has yeah. like five. Bars. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, they were telling us, the Sketchbook boys were saying they built a one barrel system in a taco joint in Evanston. I'm like, well, where's that? You know, and he's like, yeah, it's just two miles up the street. I'm like, well, now I have to go there. You know, yeah. Um, it's got some pitfalls, you know, people are still kind of learning. You know, there's room to grow with some of these projects, yeah. but, you know, going there, checking it out, hearing some feedback and then going back to check them out again, once they got some rhythm going is also a part of the journey too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, what's that crew? Uh, open, open outcry is a open good example. Outcry, of yeah. that. Open outcry is right down the street from uh, horsey hollow, you know, where the, the big Irish parade is on the South side, like iron 10th and Western. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, I wasn't the biggest open outcry fan when they opened up. When they first opened up, but fan. he took John took that you know he took whatever criticism he received and he put that back into the beer. Like I, I'm digging them now. That and that's part of the joy too. Mm-hmm. Like hey man, watching their full well, their growth. People yeah. weren't really that excited about uh, that, uh, that lager from Wisconsin that Half Acre was making. People weren't excited. Yeah. So I mean you know you know just watching watching the evolution of these places too is cool. Do you think there's still room for more breweries to grow there? Oh my God, where could it possibly? Because <laughs> it's so funny. Because, like, even when I go on my, okay, I'm not going to tell you how often I go on the beer run, but when I go on my beer runs, it's like it's so much Chicago beer alone. Mm-hmm. You, and we're not even talking about the other states that's available here. So, like, every time you go somewhere, Phase Three has a new beer, Hot Butcher has a new beer, um, Rev and their Deep Wood series. Pipeworks. I haven't had saying around. Like I haven't had. I've had saying around for the first time in over a year because again, Chicago is producing so much beer. So it was yeah. like, where could we possibly put more beer? I tell you something, man. Saying around. There's some flamethrowers too. They throw yeah. some really good stuff. But you know what though, man? Like, um, also we're in the middle of the country. We're getting beer from mm-hmm. all points, mm-hmm. right? So it is. It is a very difficult. Probably the most competitive market there is is probably Chicago. But if you get some crews that just focus on, you know, um, just serving the, the the immediate area around them, like hyper local, mm-hmm. you know, fucking crowler only, make it a destination and and have it be good. Alulu's like that a little bit, yeah, right. Like Alulu's not trying to really go into packaging. They're gonna Alulu is in uh is in Pilsen, and they're gonna open a second location, and they don't want to go into stores at all. Yeah. I think, you know, I think because, you know, Chicago's this living, breathing thing where, you know, something neighborhoods just constantly keep changing. There's always going to be room for a brewery that's just focused on serving just its immediate area. I think there's still room for that. Every time I drive past a place, you know, I'm like, shit, it's empty. It might as well, you might as well put a brewery in there. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did when I, I drive around anywhere, frankly, around the country. I was like, yeah, brewery, brewery, old gas station brewery. Put that there. But Chicago, that's kind of its history. I mean, you know, my family's from the North side up Roscoe village area and it, you know, it's corner, corner bars in the middle of a neighborhood just, you know, is what it was. And so now you see those things, 
kind of broken down and turned into condos and things like that, which is always so sad. You see that that sort of door in the in the sort of triangle part right here, and you're like, that was a tavern door right there. Now that's your front <laughs> that's your front door to your living room. Like that'd be that'd be a little weird. But I agree. I think that these places can, you know, especially if they're looking to if you're coming in hot and trying to, you know, do 10, 15, 20,000 barrels, you might have some trouble. Like if you're trying to do a smaller spot, you know, especially pre-COVID, that, you know, neighborhood folks want that. You know, they want to they want to come in and hang out in your spot. We live um, two blocks from Evanston and we legit don't want to go to breweries in Evanston. We're like, why can't there be a brewery in Rogers Park? <laughs> yeah. Right? I'd rather, <laughs> there's something painful about leaving the city to go All get right. beer, even if, the, even if the city's two blocks, <laughs> it's just two blocks away. So yeah. I mean, my once suburban joy of going to get beer um, was when I would go visit my mom. My mom lives in the south. Well, both of our moms live in the south suburbs. So when I would go see my mom, she lives in Linwood, which is like just three minutes from Three Floyds. Mm -hmm. But now the brew pub is closed. It's like, so that joy was taken away from me. <laughs> Dude, 2020 killed Argus, my besties in beer. And it killed the Three Floyds brew pub. And it messed yeah. up. Fucking 2020. Yeah, it's not it's not good. I mean, uh, I, that was a question I had for you guys. Like, how, how, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. We transition right into that. Like, how has it been? How has COVID been for? I mean, not just for you two, but also, you know, just for the city. And that's part of what I'm doing here. I'm trying to talk to beer writers and and podcasters and personalities from around the country, just trying to hear, you know, because we don't get to travel. I was supposed to get come home in April and and visit family and friends and. You know that got that got blown up, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to get back out there anytime soon. Hopefully, maybe sometime this fall. But what's it, what's it like? What's the beer scene like? It's been bittersweet because you hate to hear of the closings. You know, especially with somebody like Argus. Like, like I said, like Nick said, <laughs> I came across Argus when I started in Chicago Girls Paint Out. So it was like that journey together. And then Three Floyds was a staple for me. Um, outside was you know Goose Island was my first brewery that I actually went to, and then. It was three Floyd. So now that brew pub is gone. But I believe that they're definitely holding their own with the whole, they're killing it with the curbside service. You know, it's still flowing, you know, so. Well, it's not the, it's, well, it's definitely not the first pandemic, right? You know, yeah. in fact, some breweries are opening during, yeah. during the pandemic. Um, shout out to Haymarket, man. I was down there uh, talking to Jana one day and she was talking about their pivot and how they're really just moving all their beer. I think they're selling all their beer from their Michigan location. And, um, you know, if a, if a space, if the seats are within six feet of the patio, then those spaces are considered outdoor seating, you know, but it's a shame that, um, you know, we're letting, we're letting small businesses fail, man. Yeah. You know, you're telling these folks they can't, you know, they can't, you know, some of these places are good for 200 people all day, all weekend, you know, all day long. And now you're telling them they can't open and then you're not really giving, <laughs> giving them an alternative. It, it's, it's brutal, man. It's brutal. Arrived all the way. It's a system built by people who worked in the industry and they regularly check in with their clients for not only support, but ways they can potentially grow or help you pivot and readjust as needed. I've worked with all the major systems out there, and I would never pick another service, says Katie Neerling, the GM of Scott Brewstillery, about Arrived. Bolide Communications is a creative and strategic marketing consultancy with decades of experience working with some of the biggest names in beer and consumer products. Talk with Bolide Communications today on how they can get your brewery and beer to stand out to audiences that matter.
it's been killing me just following some of the Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds of some of the bars there just just trying to you know deal with what the city is throwing at them, just changing the rules constantly and 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 things that don't seem at all, you know, at all fair, just bars versus a place that serves a sandwich or something like that, being treated differently or being told that they can open or told they're closed and just I, I don't I don't know how you manage it. I think it's basically it's all who you tie to. I mean, that's, that's just that right. That is the Chicago way. Yes. Well, we have seen some businesses grow like Bitter Pops. I went to a beer run and Bitter Pops and they've moved their location just down the street. They're in a much bigger space now. Their space is so dope where they have the bottle shop on one on one side. They have a, a coffee cafe in the middle and then they have the bar and then they have a whole nother like very small like space that you can use for like a small event. So I'm glad to see that somebody is growing doing this madness. Yeah, I try to. We try to buy from breweries as much as we can. Um, yeah. Oh, it's been. It's on the on the flip side. You know, some of these, uh, a lot of these bottle shops or a lot of restaurants are kind of selling. They're selling their large. They're selling whiskey bottles. They're selling them because they, you know, because they can't belly up at the bar. Mm-hmm. So we've been. It's been a chance, you know, to kind of discover whiskey you know, and start a whiskey collection. And then even if they're charging more than retail, you know, I'm more than happy to pay that. Yeah. It's not quite secondary. So it, it is mm-hmm. a stiff price, but it's right. not a full, you know, F, you, F yourself secondary mm-hmm. price. And if I feel, I feel like I'm supporting, you know, I feel like I'm supporting a joint that I can't hang out and eat at too when I'm buying a bottle of whiskey from them that's marked up maybe like 40%. So. Um, and, and it gives you something to come home to and do uh, the Neat Poor podcast. There we go. So he buys the to. bourbon. <laughs> Yeah. And I take care of the beer. It's the perfect yeah. balance. It's a it's a good marriage. It really is. <laughs> what are we doing about drafts, though, man? I'm kind of concerned. I wonder. Um, is are we gonna? Are, no one's making draft beer. They can't be making draft beer. Where did console at? Where? I mean, I miss, they, were try, they, were try, there were some people trying for a while, growlers or something like that. It's just as uh, you know. And then now can shortages and everything else. Just I mean, that's like the craziest thing. <laughs> And I tell you, man, I wish we threw parties and, and you know, microphone out in uh, North Burbs does this a lot. They'll throw a party and it's like, listen, we got three sessions of this party. And there's only 30 people a pop at these sessions. They were yeah. doing like mini phobabs and this kind yeah. of thing. I wish we did stuff like that. Had a little festival on a, mm-hmm. in a big space, invite a very few amount of people and just have a super premium price point for it as, as kind of a fundraiser, man. Cause you know, it's cause if everyone's, yeah, if everyone's being responsible, you know, with the social distance, I mean, people would go out and pay a little bit extra just yeah. to have, just to support and have that feeling of a man. And fest. to get out the house. And to get out yeah. of the crib too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've I wish tr- we we've saw tr- more of that. I, I'm, I'm with you. And I think, you know, the longer this goes on, we've seen something like that until, until winter hits or, you know, what have you, but we saw places trying to do, um, trying to do, you know, zoom events and stuff like that. And that's fine and all, but like, just saying, it's just not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. I mean, it's nothing about, it's, it's something about going into a bar and having a drink with someone who you don't know and you guys can discuss beer and you leave off as friends. The next thing you know, you guys are social media friends. Like, oh, because you guys met over beer. Yeah. You don't get that experience now. Finding your fellow uh, local alcoholic yeah, bonding with them is, is something I miss. Is something I miss, and I tell you something, man. If, if we don't figure something out, a lot of these places are going to close, and spaces that are very unique in Chicago are going to look more and more suburban. Yeah, you know, there's going to be a bunch of fucking little Goose Island 
bars all around town or little 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 Lagunitas bars from the Heineken purchase, you know, like it's just going to be it's going to be a lot less variety when these places close. Nothing cool is going to go in there. You know, right. there's going to be some shit. There's uh, some hybrid of chilies and uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's going to suck. It's not going to be as good. Yeah. I mean, that's we I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and you know, we've got a bunch of old school bars here. And that's what's killing me is that uh, these old school places just were not necessarily built for you know, for something like this, they were, they're bars. They're not really trying to serve food or anything like that. And, you know, I've got one here that's, that's closing, that looks like it's closing up shop. The junker came oh. yesterday and started taking out the, taking out the bar stools. And, you know, all of us are hopeful. Maybe they're just getting new bar stools. Like this place hasn't had new bar stools in 50 years. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Everything's duct taped together. But, it's just, the old but uh, we got, uh, yeah, we got, we got concerns, but once those places are gone, you can't, you can't rebuild that. I mean, you can, yeah, you can build that sort of, you know, white, you know, tile and like the reclaimed wood, basically that, that Home Depot bar starter pack that every place, you know, around the country was doing five years ago, but it's not the same. Like you're going to lose all this character and all this heart and, you know, it's not going to be something we can replace. Yeah. It really is. If the economy's failing. It really is a state of emergency, man. It really is. And it's, it's sad. Um, so uh, after bringing us down here, some depressing shit, but uh, just wanted to- Thanks, babe. <laughs> yeah, just here, hey. Shit. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Yeah. But uh, let's go in a different direction. What excites you you both about beer these days? Or just what, you know, you know even pre-pandemic, or what are you looking forward to? Like, what is exciting in the world of beer? For me, it's trying new beer because of the fact that it's always new breweries still popping up. Like I am getting sent, uh, beer quite often. So it was like, I have more beer in the fridge now than I, than we, I had to toss food yesterday just to make room for beer. <laughs> I mean, at that point now. Yeah. So it was like, but that's the, for me, it's the fun of it. It's like, for instance, like, okay, so the, the hoodie that I'm wearing is, is Black Halter. It's a, it's a, the Michigan's first Black ombre. They're sending beer. I'm excited to try them. Then it's just so much new beer that's popping yeah. up. I'm, that's what I'm excited for. Just trying it off. I like um I like these little pockets, like the one Shalanda's in. Like they went to uh she went to Fresh Fest a couple years ago oh, and man. uh and what was it in Pittsburgh? Yeah. And I know nothing about Pittsburgh, but it's I a love, destination. I love a, Pittsburgh. It's yeah, great it, I mean it. I, I, it sounds. It looked like a blast. I'm mad. I'm, I'm mad. I didn't go. But you know these these pockets of uh you know these kind of subcultures in beer you know that are like focusing on things that are just not specifically beer related mm -hmm. and then introducing you to people all all across the country that have similar interests I think you know because like I like hanging out I like hanging out with black folks right but I wouldn't necessarily do you, see a, <laughs> do you? <laughs> but I wouldn't necessarily see a whole lot of black folks at, at the places I travel. But mm -hmm. then, you know, Shalana's, Shalana's introduced me to this whole network of national, uh, national network of folks. I had, I, I had, I had bring them to the black side. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually, it's actually been pretty cool. But other than that, man, I like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, hey, look at this. This is great. <laughs> Something about having a militant black wife, like, look, you gonna come with your people. I don't know. <laughs> but I tell you, man, um, I mean, I don't know, man. I just been gravitating. I don't like trying new stuff. I like revisiting. I like revisiting the classics, you know, whether that's a, whether that's a lager or just an IPA from a crew I haven't seen in a long time. I just get more comfort. Like I don't want to drink it because you know I feel like I don't. I, you know, we're all inside. We're all stressed out. 
um, we can't party. And if I take two sips and that third sip's not my jam, I'm tossing it. Give me something that I can count on. I didn't think I'd be as excited about these the old born standbys as I, as I have been lately. So. No. Okay. So let me, no, I have to make a point to that one. You've kind of always been like this. So when we were dating, okay, no, I have to say this one. So when we were dating, okay. So when, when he introduced me, we were just dating. So I used to show up to his apartment. Hey, look, I found this beer. I found this beer. I even found, what was it? The beer that I found, it had feathers on it. I wasn't against the grain. Beer. Yeah. Well, against the game. Yeah. Against the grain beer. So it's like, I was constantly being the one like, oh, try this and try this and try this. And it was so funny. He was the one that introduced me to beer. So when he gets in his staples, he's mm-hmm. just there. He's just like not, he just, he's, he's not experimental too much. It's true. Revolution is like, hey, we got a new Session Sour mix bag. I'm like, Session Sour? There's four of them? And what's that? <laughs> Man, get, let me get that. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, I'm I'm like Nick. I'm I'm old school. All I can think about this this winter is, you know, we we got like just some random three Floyds drop out here, and it was just it was just gumball head, but it's you know dear to my heart. Haven't had it in years. You know, you know Alpha King, but it's like I want Alpha Claws. I don't even know if they still make that. Like that's just that old school. They do. They have it in the store. That's what I want. I want Black IPA. Like that was the first like kind of black IPA-ish beer I'd ever had. And I was like, what is this? Just blew right, my Andy, mind. When I go to the store next time, I'm going to grab a six pack and I'm going to send you some. I will, I will, I will throw all the money your way. Just send me, just give me that beer. I want that money. I was I just want looking that. at it yesterday too. <laughs> I just think about that thing. And it just, I agree though. I, and I'm, and I love trying new things as much as anybody else, but I, the pandemic has maybe driven me back to some old favorites more than I, I would have guessed. And I think it's, it's changed, you know, the way a lot of people drink and it's just, it's crazy. You had mentioned uh, Fresh Fest and sort of, you know, the expanding subcultures of beer and just, you know, the way it's changed. I think that's probably, you know, there's been a lot of stories in beer in the last year, but mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most exciting one, at least for me. What is it about Fresh Fest that is, that is, that is so appealing? Like just, how, can you even capture it? Because I have not been, and you know, I, I wouldn't have the same experience that you would, but I'm just so curious because it just looks like such a perfect event. Honestly, Andy, to be honest with you, you would have the same same experience that I would because of the fact that it was so open That's awesome. and it was so inviting. It wasn't just a black beer fest. Everybody was welcome. I had people of different nationalities and races coming up to my table just having a great freaking time because it was just about love. It was about, honestly, the best way I could describe Fresh Fest, it was like one big ass Family reunion. It's like, hey, cousin, people you didn't even know of. And we, you, you, you invite them in as family. And it was just, oh my God. It's, the words are escaping me because I had such a great time, you know? And I guess for me, like, so I don't know if you follow, like when I talk about my syndicate <coughs> members, mm-hmm. you know, you. it was a group of uh, people who I didn't even know. I didn't know these people <laughs> before Fresh Fest, okay? We were just talking shit and ig is like hey who want to share a house and we all end up sharing this house and we talk almost every single day you know and fresh fresh brought us together then we have the bottle share at our house that people are still talking about to this day like we had some some ogs to roll through this bottle share and i mean they're coming in with coolers of beer i've seen i've seen photos of this party that i I, it looked amazing let me tell you something now. The photos do not capture all the beer that was left. We're not even talking. We're talking about 
I had I had to. Oh my god, I can't even explain it. It was just so. It was just so much fun. What people what people can't see here is just the the how wide the smile is on your face on this call. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate the fact that COVID. I was so ready for Fresh Fest for for twenty twenty. Did you yeah. Did you Fest just didn't cut it, huh? Man, I was so mad. No, you know what? No, because it, it wasn't the same experience because you want to see the people that you saw last year. You want to see the new people. So yeah. it was just so much fun. And I was so excited and I was ready to go. And when I first found out about Fresh Fest, I didn't go the first year because um, I didn't know about it. But the second year when I found out about it, I was like, yeah, I'm going. I don't care. Come hell, hot water. I'm there. And it was such a beautiful experience. I am so looking forward to coming back. I imagine as, as festivals have gotten more homogenized over the years, right? You know, that, um, you know, I used to describe like Fobab because it was always around my birthday. So I'd be like, man, I'm going to hang out with like 3,000 of my closest friends. Cause mm -hmm. that, you know, in 2011, that's how it felt. Yeah. You know, I imagine as beer festivals change, you probably get back to the essence of what a fest was. When you, when you describe Fresh Fest, that's what it reminded me of. Like the very first time I went to a killer party and on a festival scale and just really just had the best time ever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've learned some tricks. I know next time when I go to Fresh Fest, you know, we're going we gonna to put the positivity in the air, hire somebody to work the table so I can get around more. <laughs> but yeah, I, it, Fresh Fest was just amazing. It was so amazing. In your experience, have you found the craft beer community uh, to be you know, just welcoming, to be open, to be a place that uh, that is just sort of open to you? Or you know, what are the challenges that you know, we've seen a lot this year in a variety of different ways. And mm -hmm. we've seen, you know, po both positive and some negative steps here, but, you know, just personally, how is it, how has the experience been in, in the craft beer community? Well, you know what, for that one, again, it's bittersweet. Um, when I first came in, I was bright eyed and bushy tail and then reality started to hit, you know, you go to these fests and I used to like elbow Nick sometimes like, Oh, we're the only two spots here. And for the most part, you know, here in Chicago, it's been love. You know, I'm not going to knock the Chicago scene. It has been love. But there have been times when I've gone out without him and I've gotten some stares and I've got some side eyes and I've gotten some questions, you know, or some uncomfortable situations. Um, we There is still room to grow, you know. And when you hear the stories, just the stories that were told to me. I mean, I can't speak on anyone else's story, but the stories that were told to me is like, what in the hell is really going on? I mean, blatant. Oh, we, you thought founders were something. No, so a lot of stories that have not come out, there are stories that top founders. So we, there's still, there's still room, more room to grow. We have, mm -hmm. we have a long way to go. Well, shit, even the, um, I mean, it's not necessarily crap, but it's beer, like up in Wisconsin, there was a, uh, there was a guy who worked at a Miller location and, you know, they were doing wild shit, like, you yeah. know, harassing him and putting a noose in his locker. And then, you know, he shot the place up. He, he, yeah, he, he, like snapped. A, he, he snapped and killed like a handful of people. Yeah. I think, yeah. Beer has definitely lost its innocence a little bit. Right. Yeah. It was no longer, you know, it was just, it was an oasis for yeah. to get away from like, you know, your, your day job. But, but now it's like, you know, reality has kind of, has kind of crept into, a space that used to just be all about joy and supporting supporting small business yeah. and it's you know it's it's different yeah and you hear <laughs> the stories because like you know even when the miller situation happened the first thing i did was call my grandmother and because she used to work at that miller that same plant up in milwaukee for 40 years no. and she's like oh 
it was way worse. She was like, they, the, some of the things that they have gone through. So it's sad to see that nothing within their company has changed. You hear whispers about the subculture too. I think that kind of stuff yeah. she's alluding to just kind of like those things that people just kind of lean in and tell you in confidence about, yeah. you know, just hospitality in general and then breweries in specific. And mm -hmm. you just, um, yeah, you feel, you feel more obligated to like, uh, take it all more seriously yeah. yeah yeah that that is definitely put i think that's why i end up kind of got more vocal i've gotten to the point where i don't care what i say or who i who i piss off because of the fact I, i'm way more vocal than nick nick is just quiet nick he'll make a tweet and then he'll he'll go about his business well i'm the more vocal side so it's like okay i i gotta i gotta call people out i'm gonna call out queen you piss me off and especially when it comes to something racial or sexual harassment I don't care who I make, who I piss off. I'm going to call it out. You've also adopted a pretty positive attitude or trying to, trying to almost rise above some of this. And, and I have to applaud you for that. Cause I can't say that I'd, I would do the same. And I don't know that a lot of people would do the same. I will talk in the intro about, uh, you know, sort of I am craft beer and that whole story there, but your response was one that didn't dig in on the individual who, who is just disrespecting is not even the word for it, but you know, just assaulting and attacking you. How do you, how do you rise above that? How do you not sink into it and just, and just go off it as I'm sure you're capable of doing, but in that, <laughs> that situation, you, you did something that I think is sort of, you know, superhuman. You know, I, I think Nick can agree with me on that one. When you, when you come across people like that, it drains your energy to, to, to have to fight, you know, every time. And if I get that upset, every time I heard that word called to me, oh my God, I constantly be fighting. I'll probably be in jail, you know, and it gets to the point where you have to, you have to just kind of let it roll off for you, off of you, because that's the reaction that they want, you know, and that was the first time I was called that word. And guess what? It wasn't the last. I mean, even after that, email came in, I got maybe 50 more. So it's never going to stop. Yeah, that was interesting to see. And that was actually kind of the perfect response because then you kind of, the, the, you allowed everyone to express their rage through your response without necessarily expressing your own rage, which was pretty interesting. And then it, it ended up giving birth to, to that, that I am craft beer movement, yeah. which is actually a much more important statement to make than just going on like some some uh, profanity laced rant with just some some guy who's probably doesn't even have a photo on his fucking yeah. account. But you know? in all honesty, <laughs> I have to be honest with you guys. The first email was not very was not that nice. The first email, oh, I was cursing him out like literally every word. And then I sat there and I read it and I deleted all of that and I decided to take the the later the latter out. We have seen, as we've talked about, just a, a lot of changes this year and just a lot of a lot more of awareness of these issues, you know, both, you know, racial issues and and gender issues and certainly harassment issues. And it just it seems like it's wave after wave of kind of negative news, but it's not even negative. It just it's just things that have ex existed for a long time coming to light. Mm -hmm. Do you with all of this happening, do you remain optimistic or positive about where craft beer is going to go in the future? Do you think it will make, you know, the necessary changes? It'll make amends or do you, are you still, are you cynical about it? Are you pessimistic? I'm realistic. Uh, here's the thing is everyone's behavior is not going to change. Just as we heard these stories this year, guess what? 
maybe in five more years, we're going to hear some more stories. And the thing about it is we still have to be diligent. You know, we have to be diligent about the action. And I, just as I said recently, cancel culture doesn't really cancel anybody because they're going to always have someone that's going to love and support their ignorance. So, but however, it shouldn't stop you from being vocal, um, calling out stupidity. I'll tell you something, man. Um, there's there's a couple of things I wanted to say. But... <laughs> Go ahead. But no, but like, um, I think there's, there's definitely um, some promise because like, uh, what was it? The Black is Beautiful movement from mm-hmm. last year, right? So, you know, I don't think, I think the guy who designed the Black is Beautiful logo, I don't think he was a black dude, right? No, I don't think so. Either. I don't think I don't think the guy who designed the can was black. And then in fact, there were some black breweries that had to close, you know, during that time frame where everyone was, you know, selling these Black is Beautiful beers. And then a lot of the money was given to, you know, uh, organizations that had nothing to do with <laughs> nothing to do with, you know, including black folks in beer, right? But I think that was something to build on the idea. And you know to critique it, and then maybe do something a little bit different the next mm-hmm. time out. But I think the fact that everyone got behind it is is a positive mm-hmm. thing, and it can be um, a building block for something that's a little more pointed with its with its intent, right? So I think I think some of that was some of that was pretty good. I think. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Okay, so it was a beautiful movement. Don't get me wrong, and I'm so happy. I try to critique it without being too down. I'll try not to be Debbie Downer. <laughs> okay, this is this is where this is where the, this is where the militant black white comes in at. Okay, now, it was a beautiful movement, and I'm so happy for Marcus. I'm so the one thing that I don't like is the fact that some people have made it a trend. So they saw this as a mo- a moment for them, not for us, not to move the race forward. So what they did was they jumped on this this. On, on this social movement for selfish reasons. So, okay, oh yes, we're making this Black is Beautiful beer. Great, now where are your receipts? So many breweries have not posted their receipts because so many breweries have not actually donated to any cause. Oh, they just put it up their nose. Where's, yeah. your, where's your Black is Beautiful? Mark? The, as it. much as I love Marcus, the one thing I, I, I disagree with, and, I, and I've said it before, I don't think founders should have been able to participate. Yeah. I think because all they, they did exactly what I knew they were going to do. Come in, pander to black people, use it as a trend, and then disappear into the next bullshit uh, wave hit. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, we talked about cancel culture here, and that's that's not, obviously, I don't, I don't know that I, any of us are going to think that that's what it is because first of all, I agree that you're not really getting canceled. And most times it's about taking responsibility or being called out for just bad behavior or just, just bad conduct. But um, do we think, do you think that you have any optimism about the fact that, you know, whether it's on Twitter or social media or just, you know, elsewhere that this bad behavior is starting to come to light and it is starting to get called out in ways that in the past, it might've just gone under the rug and just was something we didn't talk about. Social media definitely allows people to be highlighted in ways that they, it probably wouldn't have been highlighted maybe 10 years, 10, 15 years ago. It definitely does that. Um, It's like bittersweet. Again, I I like using that term because either it elevates them or it knocks them off the pedestal just for a little while. It doesn't actually really cancel them. Right. So again, like with founders, because it was bought to highlight, you know, because it was bought to light, you still have people that still support them. But then it's like you have, because of the fact that it was 
highlighted on social media. You have so many people now fuck founders as a trend. Like I would never, and, and the reason why I found this out was because social media. So now yeah. I would never back founders ever again. You want to put it on that? I think, um, no, I saw something in the Kansas City Star, you know, it was like a 20 minute uh, audio version of the story that they ran about how like the, uh, you know, the guy who founded the joint had to come back after like 10 years and run it because the like the top three executives let all this sexual. Oh, that was Boulevard. Oh, Boulevard. That was yeah, Boulevard. Boulevard. That was Boulevard. Boulevard, yeah. Boulevard, and, uh, Boulevard in Kansas City. Oh yeah, there are another one that's canceled. For I me. mean, but to see, but to see it in that newspaper is something I don't think might, might not have made that newspaper five years ago. It would have yeah. just been a thing that they do at that brewery. Like, oh, it happened. Oh, well. And, um, yeah. and it would have never went past that. So, you know, like as, as wild as that situation was with your emails, like having that moment turn into something else where people felt comfortable talking about shit that's embedded in, in some of these, some of these uh, institutions, you know, is uh, having a conversation is, yeah. is a step forward. I'm not going to name her, but she put it out there on her social media. Um, you know, you hear about a story of actual rape within a brewery. And that right there, that floored me. Like, and this is a brewery here in Chicago I would never support. Again, I would love to name the brewery and love to name her, but again, it's not my story to tell. But it goes to show, like, because she put it out there in social media, I would have never known that this happened with this particular person, this particular brewery. So definitely social media has been great for bringing the bullshit to light. I hope people keep speaking their truth. Yeah. Whatever that is, I hope people keep doing that. Yeah. Oh, it's been, it's on the, on the flip side, you know, some of these, uh, a lot of these bottle shops or a lot of restaurants are kind of selling, they're selling their large, they're selling whiskey bottles. They're selling them because they, you know, because they can't belly up at the bar. Mm -hmm. So we've been, it's been a chance, you know, to kind of discover whiskey, you know, and start a whiskey collection. And then even if they're charging more than retail, you know, I'm more than happy to pay that. Yeah. It's not quite secondary. So it, it is mm -hmm. a stiff price, but it's right. not a full you know, F, you, F yourself, secondary mm -hmm. price. And if I feel, I feel like I'm supporting, you know, I feel like I'm supporting a joint that I can't hang out and eat at too when I'm buying a bottle of whiskey from them that's marked up maybe like 40%. So, um, and, and it gives you something to come home to and do uh, the Neat Poor podcast. There we go. So he buys the to. bourbon <laughs> yeah. and I take care of the beer. It's the perfect yeah. balance. It's a, it's a good marriage. It really is. <laughs> what are we doing about drafts though, man? I'm kind of concerned. I wonder, um, is are we going to, no one's making draft beer. They can't be making draft beer. Where did console at? Where? I mean, I miss, they I miss they draft beer. There were some people trying for a while, growlers or something like that. It's just as uh, you know. And then now can shortages and everything else. Just I mean, that's like the craziest thing. <laughs> and I tell you, man, I wish we threw parties and and you know, microphone out in uh, North Burbs does this a lot. They'll throw a party and it's like, listen, we got three sessions of this party. And there's only 30 people a pop at these sessions. They were yeah. doing like mini phobabs and this kind yeah. of thing. I wish we did stuff like that. Had a little festival on a, mm -hmm. in a big space, invite a very few amount of people and just have a super premium price point for it as, as kind of a fundraiser, man. Cause you know, it's cause if everyone's, yeah, if everyone's being responsible, you know, with the social distance, I mean, people would go out and pay a little bit extra just yeah. to have, just to support and have that feeling of a mini and fest. to get out the house and to get out yeah. of the crib too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've I wish we we've saw more of that. I, I'm I'm with you, and I think you know the longer this goes on, we've seen something like that until until winter hits or you know what have you. But we saw places trying to do um, 
trying to do, you know, Zoom events and stuff like that. And that's fine and all, but like, just saying, it's just not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. I mean, it's nothing about, it's, it's something about going into a bar and having a drink with someone who you don't know and you guys can discuss beer and you leave off as friends. The next thing you know, you guys are social media friends. Like, oh, because you guys met over beer. Yeah. You don't get that experience now. Finding your fellow uh, local alcoholic yeah, bonding with them is, is something I miss. <laughs> something I miss. And I tell you something, man. If, if we don't figure something out, a lot of these places are going to close, and spaces that are very unique in Chicago are going to look more and more suburban. Yeah, you know, there's going to be a bunch of fucking little Goose Island bars all around town, or little 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 Lagunitas bars from the Heineken purchase. You know, like it's just going to be it's going to be a lot less variety when these places close. Nothing cool is going to go in there. You know. Right. It's going to be some shit, that's, uh, some hybrid of chilies and, uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's going <laughs> to suck. It's not going to be as good. Yeah. I mean, that's, we, I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and, you know, we've we got a bunch of old school bars here. And that's what's killing me is that uh, these old school places just were not necessarily built for, you know, for something like this. They were, they're bars. They're not really trying to serve food or anything like that. And, you know, I've got one here that's that's closing that looks like it's closing up shop. The junker came oh. yesterday and started taking out the taking out the bar stools. And you know, all of us are hopeful. Maybe they're just getting new bar stools. Like this place hasn't had new bar stools in fifty years. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's the case. Everything's duct taped together. Just but it's just, the old. But uh, we got uh, yeah, we got we got concerns. But once those places are gone, you can't you can't rebuild that. I mean, you can yeah, you can build that sort of you know white you know, tile and like the reclaimed wood, basically that, that Home Depot bar starter pack that every place, you know, around the country was doing five years ago, but it's not the same. Like you're going to lose all this character and all this heart and, you know, it's not going to be something we can replace. Yeah. It really is. It, the economy's failing. It really is a state of emergency, man. It really is. And it's, it's sad. Um, so uh, after bringing us down here, some depressing shit, but uh, just wanted to- Thanks, babe. <laughs> yeah, just here, hey. Shit. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Yeah. But uh, let's go in a different direction. What excites you you both about beer these days? Or just what, you know, you know even pre-pandemic, or what are you looking forward to? Like, what is exciting in the world of beer? For me, it's trying new beer because of the fact there's always new breweries still popping up. Like I am getting sent, uh, beer quite often. So it was like, I have more beer in the fridge now than I, than we, I had to toss food yesterday just to make more beer. <laughs> I'm at that point now. Yeah. So it was like, but that's the, for me, it's the fun of it. It's like, for instance, like, okay, so the, the hoodie that I'm wearing is, is Black Calder. It's a, it's a, the Michigan's first Black ombre. They're sending beer. I'm excited to try them. Then it's just so much new beer that's popping yeah. up. I'm, that's what I'm excited for. Just trying it off. I like um I like these little pockets, like the one Shalanda's in. Like they went to uh she went to Fresh Fest a couple years ago oh, and man, uh and what was it in Pittsburgh? Yeah. And I know nothing about Pittsburgh, but it's I a love, destination. I love Pittsburgh. I, it's yeah, it, I mean it. I, I, it sounds. It looked like a blast. I'm mad. I'm, I'm mad. I didn't go. But, you know, these these pockets of, uh, you know, these kind of subcultures in beer, you know, that are like focusing on things that are just not specifically beer related mm -hmm. and then introducing you to people all, all across the country that have similar interests. I think, you know, because like I like hanging out. I like hanging out with black folks. Right. But I wouldn't necessarily. Do you? Not? See <laughs> Do you? <laughs> 
but I wouldn't necessarily see a whole lot of black folks at, at the places I travel. But mm-hmm. then, you know, Shalana's, Shalana's introduced me to this whole network of national, a national network of folks. I have I, to, I have, I have bring them to the black side. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, actually, it's actually been pretty cool. But other than that, man, I like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, hey, look at this. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Something about having a militant <laughs> black wife, like, well, you gonna come with your people. I don't know. But I tell you, man, um, I mean, I don't know, man. I just been gravitating. I don't like trying new stuff. I like revisiting. I like revisiting the classics, you know, whether that's a, whether that's a lager or just an IPA from a crew I haven't seen in a long time. I just get more comfort. Like, I don't want to drink it because, you know, I feel like I don't, I, you know, we're all inside. We're all stressed out. Um, we can't party. And if I take two sips and that third sip's not my jam, I'm tossing it. Give me something that I can count on. I didn't think I'd be as excited about these the old born standbys as I as I have been lately. So no, okay. So let me no, I have to make a point to that one. You've kind of always been like this. So when we were dating, okay, no, I have to say this one. So when we were dating, okay. So when, when he introduced me, we were just dating. So I used to show up to his apartment, hey, look. I found this beer. I found this beer. I even found, what was it? The beer that I found it had feathers on it. I was in against the grain. Beer. Yeah, well, against the grain. Yeah, against the grain beer. So it's like, I was constantly being the one like, oh, well, try this and try this and try this. And it was so funny. He was the one that introduced me to beer. So when he gets in his staples, he's mm-hmm. just there. He's just like, not, he's just, he's, he's not experimental too much. It's true. Revolution is like, Hey, we got a new session sour mix back. I'm like session sour. There's four of them. And what the <laughs> Man, get, let me get that. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately I'm, I'm like Nick, I'm, I'm old school. All I can think about this, this winter is, you know, we, we got like just some random three Floyds drop out here and it was just, it was just gumball head, but it's, huh. it's you know, dear to my heart. Haven't had it in years, you know, you know, alpha King, but it's like, I want alpha claws. I don't even know mm. if they still make that. Like, that's just that old school. They do, black... they have it in the store. That's, that's what I want. I want black IPA. Like that was the first like kind of black IPA ish beer I'd ever had. And I was like, what is this? Just blew right, my Andy, mind. When I go to the store next time, I'm gonna grab a six pack and I'm gonna send you some. I will, I will, I will throw all the money your way. Just send me, just give me that beer. I want that money. I was I want just that... looking at it yesterday too. <laughs> I just think about that thing and it just, I agree though. And I'm, and I love trying new things as much as anybody else, but I, the pandemic has maybe driven me back to some old favorites more than I I would have guessed. And I think it's, it's changed, you know, the way a lot of people drink and it's just, it's crazy. You had mentioned uh, Fresh Fest and sort of, you know, the expanding subcultures of beer and just, you know, the way it's changed. I think that's probably, you know, there's been a lot of stories in beer in the last year, but mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most exciting one, at least for me. What is it about Fresh Fest that is, that is, that is so appealing? Like just how can you even capture it? Cause I've not been, and you know, I, I wouldn't have the same experience that you would, but I'm just so curious. Cause it just looks like such a perfect event. Honestly, Andy, to be honest with you, you would have the same, same experience that I would because of the fact that it was so open that's awesome. and it was so inviting. It wasn't just a black beer fest. Everybody was welcome. I had people of different nationalities and races coming up to my table, just having a great freaking time because it was just about love. It was about, honestly, the best way I could describe Fresh Fest, it was like one big ass family reunion. It was like, hey cousin, people you didn't even know of. And we, you, you, you invite them in as family. And it was just, oh my God. It's, the words are escaping me because I had such a great time, you know? And I guess for me, like 
So I don't know if you follow, like when I talk about my syndicate <clears throat> members, mm-hmm. you know, it was a group of uh, people who I didn't even know. I didn't know these people <laughs> before Fresh Fest, okay? We were just talking shit in IGs. Like, hey, who want to share a house? And we all end up sharing this house. And we talk almost every single day, you know? And Fresh Fest brought us together. Then we have the bottle share at our house that people are still talking about to this day. Like, we had some some OGs to roll through this bottle share. And I mean, they're coming in with coolers of beer. I've, seen, know, fo- have- I've seen photos of this party that I, I, it looked amazing. Let me tell you something now. The photos do not capture all the <laughs> beer that was left. We're not even talking. We're talking about, I had, I had to, oh my God, I can't even explain it. It was just so, it was just so much fun. What, people, what people can't see here is just the, the, how wide the smile is on your face on this call. <laughs> <laughs> And I hate the fact that COVID, I was so ready for Fresh Fest for, for 2020. Digi yeah. just didn't cut it, huh? Man, I was so mad. No, you know what? No, because it, it wasn't the same experience because you want to see the people that you saw last year. You want to see the new people. So yeah. it was just so much fun. And I was so excited and I was ready to go. And when I first found out about Fresh Fest, I didn't go the first year because um, I didn't know about it. But the second year when I found out about it, I was like, yeah, I'm going. I don't care. Come hell, hot water. I'm there. And it was such a beautiful experience. I am so looking forward to coming back. I imagine as as festivals have gotten more homogenized over the years, right? You know, that, um, you know, I used to describe like Fobab because it was always around my birthday. So I'd be like, man, I'm going to hang out with like 3,000 of my closest friends because, mm-hmm. you know, in 2011, that's how it felt. Yeah. You know, I imagine as beer festivals change, you probably get back to the essence of what a fest was. When you, when you describe Fresh Fest, that's what it reminded me of. Like the very first time I went to a killer party and on a festival scale and just really just had the best time ever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've learned some tricks. I know next time when I go to Fresh Fest, you know, we're going we gonna to put the positivity in the air, hire somebody to work the table so I can get around more. <laughs> but yeah, I, it, Fresh Fest was just amazing. It was so amazing. In your experience, have you found the craft beer community uh, to be you know, just welcoming, to be open, to be a place that uh, that is just sort of open to you? Or you know, what are the challenges that you know, we've seen a lot this year in a variety of different ways? And mm-hmm. we've seen you know po- both positive and some negative steps here. But you know, just personally, how is how has the experience been in in the craft beer community? Well, you know what, for that one again, it's bittersweet. Um, when I first came in, I was bright eyed and bushy tail, and then reality started to hit. You know, you go to these fests, and I used to like elbow Nick sometimes, like, oh, we're the only two spots here. And for the most part, you know, here in Chicago, it's been love. You know, I'm not going to knock the Chicago scene, it has been love. But there have been times when I've gone out without him, and I've gotten some stares, and I've gotten some side eyes, and I've gotten some questions, you know, or some uncomfortable situations. Um, we, there is still room to grow, you know, and when you hear the stories, just the stories that were told to me, I mean, I can't speak on anyone else's story, but the stories that were told to me is like, what in the hell is really going on? I mean, blatant. Oh, we, you thought founders were something. No. So a lot of stories that have not come out, there are stories that top founders. So we, there's still, there's still room more room to grow we have mm-hmm. we have a long way to go well shit even the um i mean it's not necessarily craft but it's beer like up in wisconsin there was a uh there was a guy who worked at a miller location mm-hmm. 
and you know they were doing wild shit like you yeah. know harassing him and putting a noose in his locker and then you know he shot the place up he, he, yeah, he, he killed like a, he, he snapped and killed like a handful of people yeah i think yeah beer has definitely lost its innocence a little bit right yeah. it was no longer you know it was just it was an oasis for yeah. to get away from like you know your, your day job but but now it's like you know reality has kind of has kind of crept into a space that used to just be all about joy and supporting supporting small business yeah. and it's you know it's it's different yeah and you hear it's the stories because like you know even when the miller situation happened the first thing i did was call my grandmother and because she, she used to work at that miller that same plant up in milwaukee for 40 years no. and she's like oh it was way worse. She was like, they, the, some of the things that they have gone through. So it's sad to see that nothing within their company has changed. You hear whispers about the subculture too. I think that kind of stuff yeah. she's alluding to just kind of like those things that people just kind of lean in and tell you in confidence about, yeah. you know, just hospitality in general and then breweries in specific. And mm -hmm. you just, um, yeah, you feel, you feel more obligated to like, uh, take it all more seriously yeah. yeah yeah that that is definitely put i think that's why i end up kind of got more vocal i've gotten to the point where i don't care what i say or who i who i piss off because of the fact I, i'm way more vocal than nick nick is just quiet nick he'll make a tweet and then he'll he'll go about his business well i'm the more vocal side so it's like okay i i gotta i gotta call people out i'm gonna call out queen you piss me off and especially when it comes to something racial or sexual harassment I don't care who I make, who I piss off. I'm going to call it out. You've also adopted a pretty positive attitude or trying to, trying to almost rise above some of this. And, and I have to applaud you for that. Cause I can't say that I, I would do the same. And I don't know that a lot of people would do the same. I will talk in the intro about, uh, you know, sort of, I am craft beer and that whole story there, but your response was one that didn't dig in on the individual who who is just disrespecting is not even the word for it, but you know, just assaulting and attacking you. How do you how do you rise above that? How do you not sink into it and just and just go off it as I'm sure you're capable of doing, but in that <laughs> that situation, you you did something that I think is sort of you know superhuman. You know, I I think Nick can agree with me on that one. When you when you come across people like that it drains your energy to, to, to have to fight, you know, every time. And if I get that upset, every time I heard that word called to me, Oh my God, I constantly be fighting. I'll probably be in jail, you know, and it gets to the point where you have to, you have to just kind of let it roll off for you off of you because that's the reaction that they want, you know? And that was the first time I was called that word. And guess what? It wasn't the last. I mean, even after that, email came in I got maybe 50 more so it's never gonna stop yeah that was interesting to see and that was actually kind of the perfect response because then you kind of the the you allowed everyone to express their rage through your response without necessarily expressing your own rage which was pretty interesting and then it, it ended up giving birth to to that that I am crafter movement yeah. which is actually a much more important statement to make than just going on like some some uh, profanity laced rant with just some some guy who's probably doesn't even have a photo on his fucking yeah. account. But you know? in all honesty, <laughs> I have to be honest with you guys. The first email was not very was not that nice. The first email, oh, I was cursing him out like literally every word. 
And then I sat there and I read it and I deleted all of that. And I decided to take the, the, later, the latter out. We have seen, as we've talked about, just a, a lot of changes this year and just a lot, of, a lot more of awareness of these issues you know, both, you know, racial issues and, and gender issues and certainly harassment issues. And it just, it seems like it's wave after wave of kind of negative news, but it's not even negative. It just, it's just things that have ex- existed for a long time coming to light. Mm-hmm. Do you, with all of this happening, do you remain optimistic or positive about where craft beer is going to go in the future? Do you think it will make, ch- you know, the necessary changes? It'll make amends or do you, are you still, you know, are you cynical about it? Are you uh, pessimistic? I'm realistic. Uh, here's the thing is everyone's behavior is not going to change. Just as we heard these stories this year, guess what? Maybe in five more years, we're going to hear some more stories. And the thing about it is we still have to be diligent. You know, we have to be diligent about the action. And I, just as I said recently, cancel culture doesn't really cancel anybody because they're going to always have someone that's going to love and support their ignorance. So, but however, it shouldn't stop you from being vocal um calling out stupidity i'll tell you something man um there's there's a couple things i wanted to say (laughs) go ahead but no but like um i think there's there's definitely um some promise because like uh what was it the black is beautiful movement from Mm -hmm. last year right so you know i don't think i think the guy who designed the black is beautiful logo i don't think he was a black dude right no i don't think i don't think the guy who designed a can was black and then in fact there were some black breweries that had to close you know, during that time frame where everyone was, you know, selling these black is beautiful beers. And then a lot of the money was given to, you know, uh, organizations that had nothing to do with, <laughs> nothing to do with, you know, including black folks in beer, right? But I think that was something to build on the idea and, you know, to critique it and then maybe do something a little bit different the next mm-hmm. time out. But I think the fact that everyone got behind it is, is a positive mm-hmm. thing and it can be, um, a building block for something that's a little more pointed with its with its intent, right? So I think I think some of that was some of that was pretty good. What do you think? Okay, so it was a beautiful movement. Don't get me wrong, and I'm so happy. I tried to critique it without being too down. I'll try not to be Debbie Downer. <laughs> okay, this is this is where this is where the, this is where the militant black white comes in at. Okay, no. it was a beautiful movement, and I'm so happy for Marcus. I'm so the one thing that I don't like is the fact that some people have made it a trend. So they saw this as a, mo- a moment for them, not for us, not to move the race forward. So what they did was they jumped on this, this, on, on this social movement for selfish reasons. So, okay, oh yes, we're making this Black is Beautiful beer. Great, now where are your receipts? So many breweries have not posted their receipts because so many breweries have not actually donated to any cause. Oh, they just put it up their nose. Where's, yeah. your, where's your black and beautiful money? As much as I love Marcus, the one thing I, I, I disagree with, and, I, and I've said it before, I don't think founders should have been able to participate. Yeah. I think because all they, they did exactly what I knew they were going to do. Come in, pander to black people, use it as a trend, and then disappear into the next bullshit uh, wave hit. And that's exactly what happened. You know, we talked about cancel culture here, and that's that's not obviously. I don't I don't know that I, any of us are going to think that that's what it is. Because first of all, I agree that you're not really getting canceled. And most times, it's about taking responsibility or being called out for just bad behavior or just just bad conduct. But um, do we think? Do you think that do you have any optimism about the fact that you know 
whether it's on Twitter or social media or just you know elsewhere, that this bad behavior is starting to come to light and it is starting to get called out in ways that in the past it might've just gone under the rug and just was something we didn't talk about. Social media definitely allows people to be highlighted in ways that they, it probably wouldn't have been highlighted maybe 10 years, 10, 15 years ago. It definitely does that. Um, it's like bittersweet again. I, I like using that term because either it elevates them or it knocks them off the pedestal just for a little while. It doesn't actually really cancel them. Right. So again, like with founders, because it was bought to highlight, you know, because it was bought to light, you still have people that still support them. But then it's like you have, because of the fact that it was highlighted on social media, you have so many people now fuck founders as a trend. Like I would never, and, and the reason why I found this out was because social media. So now yeah. I would never back founders ever again. You want to put it on that? I think, um, no, I saw something in the Kansas City Star, you know, it was like a 20 minute uh, audio version of the story that they ran about how like the, uh, you know, the guy who founded the joint had to come back after like 10 years and run it because the like the top three executives let all this sexual. Oh, that was Boulevard. Oh, Boulevard. That was Boulevard. 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 That was Boulevard. Boulevard and Boulevard Boulevard in Kansas. Oh, yeah. They're another one that's canceled. I mean, but to see but to see it in that newspaper is something I don't think might might not have made that newspaper five years ago it would have yeah. just been a thing that they do at that brewery like, oh, it happened. Oh, well. and um yeah. and it would have never went past that so you know like as, as wild as that situation was with your emails like having that moment turn into something else where people felt comfortable talking about shit that's embedded in, in some of these some of these uh institutions you know is uh the, having a conversation is, yeah. is a step forward i'm not going to name her but she put it out there on her social media um, you know, you hear about a story of actual rape within a brewery and that right there, that floored me. Like, and this is a brewery here in Chicago. I would never support again. I would love to name the brewery and love to name her, but again, it's not my story to tell, but it goes to show like, because she put it out there in social media, I would have never known that this happened with this particular person, this particular brewery. So definitely social media has been great for bringing the bullshit to light. I hope people keep speaking their truth. Yeah. Whatever that is, I hope people keep doing it. Thanks for listening to the Beer Edge podcast. My partner John Hall and I work hard to bring you fresh and insightful content related to the ever-changing world of craft beer. We're passionate about beer and independent journalism. If you're interested in supporting Beer Edge, visit our website, beeredge.com, which is updated regularly with new content, interviews, and articles. Please also consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. You can also subscribe to the Beer Edge newsletter on our website. Is there anyone you think that we should be talking to? Please drop us a line at andy at beeredge.com with your thoughts. Thanks for your support. Go to arrive.com to set up a free, customized demo with an arrived consultant and see how a point of sale can make all the difference in your guest experience, staff satisfaction, and bottom line. Chances are, a switch to Arrive will save you time, money, and a whole lot of headaches. Arrive.com. That's A-R-R-Y-V-E-D.com. Because there's no I in Arrived. Do you have the right messages in place to make your brewery stand out in a crowded field? Are you executing with trusted partners who know the beer industry? 
Are you receiving the right counsel? Bovide Communications offers a wide range of marketing services to satisfied customers, including positioning, sales collateral and POS, branding, website design, public relations, and social media. Visit them online at bolidecommunications.com or call 973-975-3037. You already make great beer. Let Bolide Communications help with the rest.